everyone. Welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donatio, Bible study author, adventure junkie, and founder of Voice of the Voiceless, empowering women in Africa. Join me here every week for inspiring conversations on discovering miracles in life's messy moments. Here's this week's episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Lips Aglow, an independent distributor of Senegen's anti-aging and smudge-free skincare and cosmetics. Their flagship product is the well-known long-wearing lip color, Lip Sense. This line is for busy and active women who want to feel radiant without worrying about smearing or smudging their makeup. Lipsiglow has been introducing these fabulous lip colors and glosses to ladies everywhere and of all ages for over four years. Check out Lipsiglow on Facebook and Instagram to get connected and start shopping. New followers through this broadcast will receive a special welcome offer for placing an order in the month of March, and a portion of the proceeds will be sent to Make Life Matter podcast for support of this meaningful ministry. I love Lips Aglow and I use it all the time. Go to Lips Aglow on Instagram and click the link in the bio to start browsing. Well, welcome back to the Make Life Matter podcast. I am so honored today to have with me Gracia Burnham. Gracia grew up in a home that put the Lord and his word at the center of their lives. She could sing hymns from memory even before she could read. When she was seven or eight, a caring Sunday school teacher explained to her the importance of committing her life to Christ. Not long after that, she begged for the opportunity to be baptized. Upon graduation from high school, Gracia chose to attend Calvary Bible College in Kansas City because of their music program. She graduated with a bachelor's degree majoring in Christian education. While she was at Calvary, a friendship flourished with a fellow student by the name of Martin Burnham. Gracia learned that Martin was the son of missionaries, Paul and Aretta Burnham, who were serving in the Philippines. Martin's primary interest was aviation and Gracia. She and Martin were married in Kansas City in 1983. After several years of training with the new tribe's mission, they headed for the Philippines in 1986. For 17 years, Martin was a jungle pilot delivering mail, supplies, and encouragement to other missionaries. He also transported sick and injured patients to medical facilities. Gracious supported him whenever he was in the air by maintaining radio contact. The Burnham's three children, Jeffrey Paul, Melinda Joy, and Zachary Scott, were born in the Philippines and homeschooled by Gracia. On May 27, 2001, while celebrating their 18th wedding anniversary at Dos Palmas Resort off of Palawan Island, rebels from the Abu Sayyaf group seized the Burnham's and several other guests of the resort and took them as hostages to Basilian Island. In the ensuing 376 days of captivity, They endured incredible hardship and emotional fatigue. On June 7, 2002, Martin was killed in a firefight between the Philippine military and the Abu Sayyaf group. Gracia was wounded in the leg but was freed. She now resides in Rose Hill, Kansas. She is the author of the book In the Presence of My Enemies, which gives a gripping account of their year of terror in the Philippine jungle. In her second book, To Fly Again, Gracia reflects on the lessons and spiritual truths learned while in the jungle. She is a popular and engaging speaker and high demand at churches, colleges, and conferences across the United States. She is also the founder and director of the Martin and Gracia Burnham Foundation. Welcome, Gracia. I'm so honored to have you with me today. Hi, Angela. Thanks for having me. 
I realized as I was introducing, I may have butchered some of those, those words. I may not have said them very well. So no, if I didn't you pronounce did a great them well. job. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> you know how to pronounce all those things. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Well, I, I've heard your story for many years. And uh, actually, as I was reading your book in the presence of my enemies, I forgot to let you know that I'm actually here in Missouri while I am filming with you today. And we live right in Springfield. So I saw in your book, you went right through here and, and ate at the Battlefield Mall on the day oh. that you were to be engaged to Martin. We sure did. Yeah, that was my old stomping grounds. My parents were in Arkansas. I love it. I love it. And then my my husband, Dale, grew up as a son of missionaries to Alaska. Oh. And they built five churches across Alaska. And in a couple of places, they had to receive supplies by pilots. So I thought of that as well while I was reading your biography and and your memoir. And so I'm just, I don't want to waste another second of having you share with us, Gracia, your story of of championing um, in, in just unimaginable circumstances, your story of grace and forgiveness. So welcome to the podcast. And I would love to just invite you to share. Oh, thanks so much. Well, your husband knows what our job was. Um, Say you are a family working in a jungle area, um, anywhere in the world. Think of all the things that you would need in a month for your family. There aren't any grocery stores in the jungle. There aren't any uh, medical facilities. So um, our missionaries out in the jungle would call us and give us their grocery orders and their medicine orders and their, if they had an emergency, um, you know, if one of the tribal people got sick or one of them was sick, Martin would go in and land on these short jungle strips um, and um, take them their supplies or do medical evacuations. And we did that for 17 years and we loved our job. And Martin was just built for that job. He He uh, was so skilled at it. And then um, after we'd been there 16 years, our children were born there. We um, needed to fly on a southern island and went down to Palawan to do some flying. And our anniversary rolled around. And we'd never done anything touristy around there. And everybody kept talking about Dos Palmas. So we decided to go out there and celebrate our anniversary. We weren't even going to be there, you know, just a quick overnight. And um, while we were there, a band of Abu Sayyaf, um, militant Muslims who declared jihad in that area of the world, uh, stormed that resort and took 20 of us hostage. It wasn't just Martin and I. Um, they were There was suddenly just pounding on the door, bang, 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 and these three guys with M16s broke the door in and one of them took Martin right out. One of them came over to the bed and lowered his weapon at me and, you know, go, go, go. I said, you know, no, 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 I'm not dressed properly and grabbed the closest thing to me, what I'd worn to the beach the night before. And they took us in a waiting speed boat um, uh, and 20 others from the resort out over the ocean. And that began a year of living with these guys, you know, under their total control, um, evading the Philippine military, who, of course, 
were trying to rescue us. And so for about five days, we were out on the ocean until we got to the Muslim stronghold of Basilan, an island in the southern Philippines. And that began a year of running, just running for our lives, hiking through the jungle, uh, sleeping on the ground, drinking dirty river water, um, witnessing the atrocities that these guys committed as we went through villages and learning about them. And um, yeah, so at the beginning of our, our captivity, I think time really flew because we were just figuring out what it meant to be a hostage and we were on the move all the time. And then as months went on, uh, we would find places where we thought we were safe and we were hiding out and we were laying low. And for weeks, um, months, we would just hide in those places and life became very boring. And um, God taught me some good things in the jungle some really good things. He was very near to us every day. You know, I was so, um, I, I guess, surprised as I was reading your book, Gracia, that, and maybe it might surprise our listeners to hear, when you think of being held hostage, maybe in my mind, I picture a small dark room somewhere that you are just held there for a year. And that really was not the case. You were, as you just described, really on the run constantly, which made even just, it seemed like a more difficult existence, you know, you're, and, and, and guys, if you have not read her book, it is so gripping. It, I felt like I was literally right there with you, Gracia, every step because you're so descriptive and thank you for bringing us along in your journey but to to think about you with the you know the blisters on your feet and the and the you know the muddy water and the hammock and setting it up and then you were losing hostages along the way that they were killing mm-hmm. as well as you were they, some were being released mm-hmm. and you were taking new hostages so mm-hmm. what was that like to experience this kind of constant revolving situation and I'm sure wondering and hoping you would be the next to be released. <laughs> yeah, we, um, Angela, I used to long for a small dark room to be in <sighs> that had a roof and where, where I wasn't surrounded by men. That was one of the hardest things. Mm. There were about 13 of us women at the beginning and, um, you know, surrounded by men with weapons and, uh, they weren't honorable men and, um, one after another, the girls in our group began to become booty of war for the guys. They called them sabayaing them. And the guys would, ha- would choose one girl and she would have to go live with him, you know, at his hammock. And um, we just prayed that that would never happen to us because there was no guarantee. And um, you're right, one after another, the other hostages got ransomed out. Um, We had a sat phone and the guys, the hostages would be given the phone and they would call their loved ones out in town and tell them, you know, get this amount of money together and put it in this 
um, bank accounts and give them the numbers. And you could tell when their ransom came in because we would hike late into the night and then off in the distance, we would hear a motorcycle coming close along a road there. And they would take that hostage out and that hostage would get uh, I guess on the motorcycle and we would hear it retreating and they would never come back. So one after another, all these hostages began being released when their ransoms came in till it was just Martin and I and a Filipino nurse, a Filipina, you call a, a lady Filipino, a Filipina. And um, me and Martin and Edibora were the last ones left after about eight months. And um uh, yeah, I can't remember what question I'm answering. <laughs> oh, just just how things were. And yes, always on the move. Yeah. Never knowing what was around the corner. Martin died in our 17th gun battle. And so we never knew when the military was going to find us. And it's like they would just come over the hill and there they were and they would open fire on us and we would, you know, hit the ground and drop and crawl and drop and crawl and, um, uh, and run. And some of the hostages died in those gun battles as well. And um, yeah, my feet were always in such a bad mess because I was taken from the resort barefooted. So for days at the beginning, we didn't have anything on our feet. And then they found a pair of old holy rubber boots for me. And of course, when you walk through rivers and streams, sand gets in your boots because they have holes in them and they would rub my feet raw. There were days my feet were bloody and oozing. And um, you know what happened to me, Angela, when I, I always thought I was a really good person. Um, <clears throat> you know, we left the American dream, went to the Philippines flew food and medicine, cargo people into primitive, primitive places in the world. And, and I thought I was a pretty good person. And then all of a sudden, everything I had except Martin was taken away. And all the icky in me just rose to the top. I, I don't know how else to say it. Suddenly my sin was just in front of me because, you know, I hated those guys for what they were doing to us, for the pain they were causing our family. Um, when they had food and they wouldn't share it with us and we were starving, I coveted the food they had. I was filled with um, distrust, you know, no faith. Um, one day Martin started uh, saying, Gracia, here in the jungle, I've seen hatred and I've seen despair. And he started naming all these sins, right? And I thought he was talking about the Abu Sayyaf. And I, I was saying, yep, yep, yep. I've seen all those things. And, and he said, I've seen every single one of those things in myself. Mm. And I suddenly realized, oh, me too. And I saw my sin, but I saw God's grace. He didn't wait for me to get my act together there in the jungle. Even as I was complaining so loud at him, for keeping us there for so long, he started to work in my heart. And you know how we all want love and joy and peace. We all want those things that show that we're believers in Jesus. And I began begging God for those things. And 
he started working love and joy and peace and forgiveness into my heart. And it was like inexplicable. Um, he, he's so good that way. And that's what he does for all of us. Hmm. It's really a, a description of an internal journey you were taking yeah. at the same time you were having uh, this such adverse external journey. And you mentioned even about the 17 different gunfights. And that is the way that Martin was eventually killed. It was not at the hands of the terrorists, but it was sadly in a rescue attempt. Mm. It, was that more difficult to live with? Or do you think it would not have mattered either way? Um, you know, that wasn't difficult. Okay. That maybe he died with friendly fire. Because we would all re- always remind ourselves, you've heard of the Stockholm Syndrome when mm. someone's being held hostage and they start taking on the grievances or start sympathizing with the people holding them hostage. Yes. That really does happen. And yeah. we saw that happening in our hearts. And we would remind ourselves, okay, who are the bad guys? The bad guys are the guys holding you hostage. They're the ones feeding you. They're the ones shielding you in a gun battle. And who are the good guys? They're the ones shooting at you because it all became convoluted. But at the end, you know, it was never the military's fault that we were in the jungle. Sure. It was the Abu Sayyaf's fault. They, yes. they were the ones to blame. And no, never, never did I... Um, ever blame the Philippine military for the situation we were in. They were doing their best to, to rescue us. And a lot of them died in those gun battles too. Mm. And um, it's just such a sad story, you know, politics and why can't we just love our neighbor? Right. That's what I would tell Martin. Why can't we just love each other? Mm. And aren't we still asking those questions today? Those are very uh, relevant questions, even coming out of 2020. Yes, our enemies have changed, right? Yes. Now the person that I have such feelings about and just hate, uh, if I can use that word, you know, is that person in Washington, D.C. who doesn't believe the way I do and who mm-hmm. I think is ruining our country. And, and you know, if if I could get close enough to them to hear their stories and, and hug them and learn what was your childhood like? What, what are your dreams in life? What are your disappointments? What makes you sad? You know, we're all just people. And, and the sad thing is a lot of people don't know Jesus with like the Abu Sayyaf, the tragedy of this whole story wasn't us getting held hostage and Martin dying. The tragedy is those guys who held us will probably never hear the gospel. If they spoke English, they heard it from us over and over. But most of those guys didn't speak English. And they'll never hear the gospel of Jesus in their lifetime. They're going to go through their life thinking that if they pray enough and they fast enough and they give enough alms to the poor and they wear the right clothes and they eat the right foods and they you know, go on a hajj or, you know, go on a trip to Mecca. At the end of time, maybe their good is going to outweigh their bad and they'll go to paradise instead of hell. And isn't that sad not to know that someone took your sin? Jesus Mm -hmm. took your sin. 
and he took it on himself. And he didn't just take our sin, he traded us, his righteousness. And now when God looks at us, there's nothing charged against us anymore. Mm. We don't have to pray five times a day. We don't have to wear the right clothes. We, we don't have to um, eat the right foods because our sin problem's been taken care of because Jesus took care of it and we're free. We're free. We, we may have some problems today, but our sin problem doesn't have to be one of them. And, and I think of, you know, whoever your biggest enemy is today. Um, that's the whole point that that enemy needs to know Jesus. Mm. He, uh, we, we want people to live a life of joy and peace and happiness. And at the end of their lives, go live with the one who loved them and gave himself for them. And, mm. that's uh, a sel- it's a selfless attitude that you are demonstrating. It's such an eternal perspective. You remind me of Paul when he says, you know, I have to fix my eyes on eternity, even as Saul to Paul being so zealous, but for the wrong things. And then having such a passion for the people that he knew were apart from God. It doesn't matter what nationality we are, what ethnic background, what religion we say we ascribe to if we are apart from a personal relationship with Jesus Jesus Christ then we are lost Amen. and that's the that's the great denominator that you are describing i was so struck by both of your perspective and and i felt like you were hard on yourself in the book cuz as i'm listening to you and i'm even reading your story you still felt like you didn't have maybe as positive an attitude as you always could have had or, or as good as Martin. I thought, Oh my goodness, how could she have endured what she endured with any more grace? But I was so, I was so struck by this um, statement. I, there were letters that you began to receive. I think some from new tribes mission and from your children, some scriptures, because you had no Bible. It reminded me of Corey Ten Boom that had no Bible in the concentration camp. She only had what scripture that she could remember in her heart. And, and Martin said this at one point to you, we may not leave this jungle alive, but we can leave this world. I'm getting emotional. It was from Psalm 100. We may not leave this jungle alive, but we can leave this world serving the Lord with gladness. That as a perspective, no. oh my goodness. He, he said that minutes before he died. Really? That last day, yeah. That last day, we knew the military was following us. We could kind of hear them in the, in the uh, distance. And we hadn't eaten in 10 days. I didn't know you should not eat for 10 days. Uh, but you can. We had salt and we had water. We were weak and exhausted. And we heard the military behind us. And we were just pushing and it clouded up to rain that day and always before with the Abu Sayyaf and the military it was like there were unwritten rules they they never had gun battles at night and they never fought in the rain and we thought we were Mm -hmm. safe so we set up our hammocks and the plastic sheeting that would shed the water while we were laying there and laid down for rest because we thought the military would stop during the rain well, to their credit, they didn't. They pushed on in the rain. And mm-hmm. um, and just as we were sitting down in our hammock, Martin said those words to me. Gracia, this doesn't seem like serving the Lord. We've been walking through this jungle for over a year, but let's by faith 
accept that that's what we're doing. We're serving the Lord here and let's do it with gladness. And minutes later, the military came over the hill, opened fire on us and Martin was dead. It was like his last words to me, his last challenge. Um, so that's my new life's theme. I'm, I just try to figure out what it is that God has me to do and um, do it with joy, right? And, and my job may not seem real exciting today. Today, I'm talking to you. You know, um, you're part of my serving the Lord, and I'm going to do it with gladness and do it with my whole heart. And um, I, heard, I learned so many wise things from Martin. What a guy. You would like him. <laughs> oh, I just, I just... I'm so moved by so many aspects of your story. And I was thinking as we were discussing earlier before we started recording that, you know, I I don't, I I don't know that I'll ever meet anyone else who's been abducted, who's been held hostage, waiting for ransom on the run for a year, losing their spouse. I mean, it's, it's just not a story that many of us experience, but we can experience Gracia being held hostage by fear by unforgiveness. I've witnessed that even those close to me last year, as we witnessed this pandemic, or as you said, political, you know, contention, racial unrest, civil unrest, it can grip us. It can cause us to be in a prison of unforgiveness and of fear, or just as you were describing the, the being held hostage by our own sin, which is the greatest prison right? That we need freedom from mm-hmm. and, and speak to someone maybe who's listening today who says, oh my goodness, I can't even imagine what Gracia went through, but they are in prison. They are being held hostage right now by their own emotions, their own maybe unwillingness to make that shift that you and Martin made that we may not even get out of this alive, but we will choose to serve the Lord with gladness. Yeah. Well, a lot of people would give advice to those people who are struggling with whatever, right, with unforgiveness or whatever binds you. And they would say, you know, just try, just try really hard. And Mm -hmm. that's what I would do in the jungle. I would try. Um, I'm going to forgive these guys because Jesus says, love your enemies, forgive those who do you dirty. And uh, then we would go through a village and they would chop some guy's head off. Uh, No, I I'm not going to forgive them. I'm not going to love them. They don't deserve it. So when you try, you, you can't um, make things happen in your heart because your heart is sinful. We need someone from the outside to come in and change us. And that's why God gave us the Holy Spirit. Um, Jesus said when he was leaving, you know, I'm not going to be here anymore to teach you and to guide you but I'm going to leave you with something even better. I'm going to leave you with the Holy spirit and he's going to teach you everything and he's going to change you. And he's going to make your heart know that you're one of God's children. And you know, all those things that the Holy spirit does for us. And that's what I learned in the jungle. I can't do it on my own. I have to let the Holy spirit of God do the work in me. And he promised that he would is the neat thing. So whatever you're struggling with, whatever binds you or whatever you're held hostage to today, um, don't, don't try to do it on your own. Say, God, do this work in me. And, you know, our flesh is weak. 
we are going to fail, but Jesus never fails. Whatever he sets his mind out to do, he never fails. And he has promised to make us just like him. And um, someday we're going to be just like Jesus. And the trials in this life are the things that bring us to maturity. And none of us want that. You know, we, we want to be filled with love, joy, peace. But we don't want the trial that's going to bring us there. We want to be um, well thought of. And we want to be comfortable. And we want to have plenty of money and everything going well. We, we don't want the trial. And it's the trials that bring us to our knees. And um, it's this weird thing. Uh, God uses hard times in our lives. So if you're going through a hard time, Paul said, count it all joy, which makes no sense, right? Count it joy because what's happening is the working out of your salvation. It's it's God doing something amazing in your heart and in your life. That's so powerful, Gracia. It's so powerful. Thank you for that. The theme of your life has really been obedience and surrender and serving the Lord. And we can serve the Lord, but we can do it with almost a bitter heart. And what you've chosen is I'm going to not only serve the Lord, I'm going to serve the Lord with gladness. And you have every reason not to serve the Lord with gladness. So you're an inspiration. You're an encouragement to us to say, look, don't just serve the Lord, but do it with clenched fist and anger and bitterness toward the Lord, but to say, Lord, I'm going to serve you. And I'm not going to do it with gladness. I'm going to do it with an open heart because I want my life to be pleasing to you. Show us what serving the Lord looks like for you right now. I know you started a foundation. Share a little bit about the ministry of that. Um, well, uh, the foundation doesn't take up a whole lot of my time. When I got home from the jungle, um, people started giving me money and like in all the sympathy cards, there would be, you know, $10 or whatever. And I didn't know what to do with that. I didn't think it was for me. And someone very wise said, if you'll start a foundation, when people give you money, it can just go in the pot and then you can give to whatever God impresses on you to give to. So uh, actually tomorrow, uh, the foundation has a big bunch of money to give away and the board are friends of Martin's businessmen here in the area that um, knew him and knew his heart. And um, so when there's money in the pot, we just give it away. And uh, the, it, it's just this tiny little thing, but uh, we're working on our second million dollars. So, uh, you know, God can take anything and, and use it for his purpose. Mostly what I do is I just travel and speak a lot. Sure. Uh, yeah. This year is uh, great homeschool conventions. I'm going <laughs> to a bunch of those Aww. and I've never spoken at a big homeschool convention. So this is going to yeah. be neat for me. The, pan the pandemic did a lot to unfortunately curb our travel schedule. And yeah. And I know your children are grown. I think your son went on to be a pilot like your husband. Did he yeah. end up going to the Philippines? Uh, no, Jeff and his little family went to Africa, Botswana. So oh, I made three trips to Africa to see grandchildren. Uh, they've got some health issues and they've moved back to the United States. Okay. And Jeff flies for UPS now. And oh. uh, my daughter, Mindy, married a, a new tribes mission missionary kid from Bolivia. 
and mm -hmm. uh, he's the associate pastor at our church. And my son, Zach, uh, works in Kansas City, uh, just married a sweet girl, Mallory. So um, all the kids are married now. And I told him, you know what? I can die happy. <laughs> my job here's done. And oh. they all love the Lord. And uh, so thankful for those kids. God did a work in them too, you know? Mm. God doesn't waste a trial. He's working sure. in everybody's heart. And in that's the midst true. of the mess, God's good. And God was good to my kids. Mm, that's good. That's a miracle in and of itself that your kids stayed faithful. I know that was your primary focus after you re returned back to the United States. And and you may think you could die die happy, but I don't think your work here is done. I know the Lord has <laughs> more, more for you and more that need to hear your story. And thank you for not just your story, Gracia, but your life and your obedience and your, your choice and your continued choice. We thank you for that. I was riveted by your book in the presence of my enemies. I've not read your second book yet. How can people find you and find your resources, find your book, and even find out more about how they could partner with you? Um, GraciaBurnham.org. It's all there. It's not hard to find me and, um, it's not hard to contact me either. So, uh, and you can get my book wherever you order books. Um, yeah, I'm old fashioned. I always go to a bookstore. <laughs> I love I, I love bookstores it. too. I do too. Oh. Well, I want to invite you to pray over our listeners in just a moment. I could talk to you all day, but I want to be respectful of your time. But I love to ask my guests this this question before we pray. Other than Jesus, and I know Martin, who are you most excited? to meet in heaven and what would you like to ask them most excited well someone i'd love to meet is you know the story of jesus when that little boy brought a lunch he had five loaves and two fish and he hmm. and jesus fed five thousand people with it yes i'd love to speak to that little boy's mother wow what was life for for her she sent her little boy off with a lunch. Um, you know, it, she, her little boy probably had to talk her into letting him go, you know, out in the wilderness mm -hmm. to listen to this. She didn't know who Jesus was, I assume. And um, she made her, her little boy a lunch. And look what God did with it. Wow. God took that little tiny lunch and her little boy's heart, giving it away. And he did something amazing with it. And I, I think a lot of times we look at the people out in front. We look at the preacher. We look at the people doing the podcasts. And, and we look at people doing the traveling. When the unsung heroes are the people back behind on their mm -hmm. knees praying for you so you have a good ministry, right? This oh, lady so who maybe can't is, is blind in a nursing home or something who's just praying for people who are ministering and uh, I think I'd love to meet some of the unsung heroes and and just learn what their lives were like and how what did you think when Jesus did that with the food you sent with your little boy wow I've never had anyone share that answer and I love that it made me think of the story that you share in your book 
about, I believe it was six men. It was a group of men who prayed at 6 a.m. every morning for that year that you were held hostage and you were able to actually come and meet with them after your release and thank them. And who knows what the prayers of those men sitting around drinking coffee, praying for us, who, who knows what that saved me from, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was never sabayed. I never became booty of war. Um, God changed my heart. Uh, yeah, who knows how God used those men. Wow. And it just, it speaks to us today that whether we're, if we've, if we've encountered Jesus as you're describing and we've, we're serving him with gladness, then we can be praying for those, like you said, it was very impacting for me, Gracia, to hear you say today, the greatest tragedy was not losing Martin. The greatest tragedy is you knowing that some of those men, most of them, if, if there's not a miracle, will go into eternity without knowing Jesus Christ. If we would all adopt that attitude, it would shift every single aspect of our life. I think that perspective that you are sharing with us today is 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 moving and it's deeply impacting for me and I know for those that are listening. So is there anything else that you would like to share before I ask you to pray for us today? Um, you know what? I've left off like the best part of the story. I suddenly realized. Oh, I would love to hear I, it. I have found some of the men who held us captive. Oh, wow. Um, in a maximum security prison in Manila. You know, they're there for the rest of their lives. And uh, a sweet couple that has a heart for prison ministry has started going in and working with these men. And we've developed a relationship. And um, so far in that prison, four of the guys that we walked with, lived with, hiked with, starved with, have come to know Jesus as their savior. No joke. Um, So you know what? It's not over till it's over. And if someone had said to me, uh, Gracia, this is going to happen to you, but at least four of these men are going to come to know Jesus because of this experience. Mm. How, how would that have changed my attitude in the jungle? Right. Mm. <laughs> it it would have, oh. it would have totally changed it. So that's the rest of the story. And I'm, I'm sorry. I, I know. I actually have right here on my phone. I don't know if you can see this, but it says, this is not the end of the story. Uh, amen. And, and we believe that in everyone's lives, what we all wish we could see the end, but you remain faithful. I, I thought of Paul, as you said that I want to know Christ. I want to know him in his, in his sufferings mm-hmm. in his death and in his resurrection so that somehow I might become more like him. And that's the process that you've described of, of the internal and external journey that God chose for you, the story he's writing and continuing to write, even seeing the salvation of some of your captors. It's really just extraordinary. And, and if it had not been maybe for them taking you captive, we'd it's, it's unlikely. I would imagine that they would be receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ. They may still be on the run. They may have never been, captured themselves and serving this sentence in order to receive the gospel, or at least to be open to it in a way that they may perhaps weren't or couldn't understand it in English. So God is, he's so far beyond what we could ever imagine or ask or think if we can just choose surrender. So thank you for sharing (laughs) the highlights of the story as well. And the encouragement that wherever you are today in your, in your journey, listeners to know that God has never abandoned you 
and he uses every single piece of our story for his glory if we will surrender it to him. So, Gracia, thank you. When this pandemic calms down some, I would certainly love to bring you out to the Virginia. We live outside of Washington, D.C., and it would be... It would be our honor to host you, but thank you so much for sharing guys, get her books in the presence of my enemies and to fly again, graciaburnham.com, G-R-A-C-I-A-B-U-R-N-H-A-M. And I'll put that in my show notes as well. Thank you, Gracia. I would love for you to pray for us today, especially anyone who's struggling with their own internal journey right now, or if they've never received Jesus Christ, this could be, this could be their moment. This could be their story shifting and we thank you so much good yes i would love to pray oh lord how we love you today um scripture says that you you joy over us with singing you love us so much that you sing over us and and thank you for loving sinners and thank you for um not feeling that we were unworthy and um So in return, we want to sing right back to you uh, songs of praise of how mighty you are and how good you are in our lives. And um, Lord, I I thank you that when we go through trials and you promised that we would, I thank you that we don't walk those paths alone. I thank you that you walk right with us and you lead us and you guide us and you change us and you mature us. So that we look just like Jesus at the end. And Lord, that's how we want to look. We, we want to look like Jesus. And Lord, we just ask you to do whatever it is you need to do to bring us to that point. Um, and uh, I pray for those, Lord, that might not know you today. They, they hear about grace and they hear about what you've done for them. And it doesn't even click. Oh, Lord, would your Holy Spirit just um, take the words they've heard today um, and um, work in their hearts and have them start seeking because your word says, if with all your heart you truly seek me, you will surely find me, says the Lord. And we want people to find you and find the joy and find the the peace that you give. So we commit ourselves to you. We ask that you would use us today in whatever, um, however you want to use us, because yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, yours is the glory forever. Thank you so much for joining our conversation. Season two is sponsored in part by Worley Dahlberg Yao PLLC. You can learn more about this award-winning law firm at lawfirmvirginia.com. I'd love to stay connected, so be sure to visit angeladonadio.com for books, free goodies, and opportunities to feature your ministry or business as a sponsor. Find me on Facebook at Angela Donadio VOV and Instagram at Angela Donadio, where we do podcast giveaways each month. If you've been inspired to make life matter, Share a review and subscribe at iTunes, cpnshows.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Until next week, let's make life matter.